I um I put that together in about five minutes, so <laughs> I'm glad people like it. Two minutes until showtime. Yeah, it was that iMovie. Yeah, I just did a trailer, just like we, you know, we yeah, exactly. Yeah, did awesome. it I like that. Christina and, and Missy Jeffers are doing the um do, we're doing the opening session, and so I um. I came to him and I said, this is incredibly, Kelly had sent this, I got, I said, this is incredibly dry. It's very nice, but it is dry. And I said, um, can we do something different? Can we add a video or do something like that? And, and she was like, sure. Yeah, if you want to put it together. So don't ever tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> so the advisory committee last night, we all went to dinner when we got back at like 10 o'clock. I said, okay, I need 15 people to stick around and help me shoot some B-roll footage. So I shot about 20 minutes of footage with everybody and then cut it into that. And then right before the, the presentation started, I grabbed Robbie and I said, I need you to wave at the camera. One <laughs> minute until showtime. <laughs> and he did. So it worked out well. That's good. <laughs> what, what I think is funny is the freeze frame of Robbie is what gets put up on the as the picture every time somebody posts the video. Yeah, I like that. I like that. All right, I'm tweeting this out. It's going to be good. <clears throat> You're like the unofficial correspondent <laughs> of the show. Coming to you live from the floor of the NCSE. Whether it's the resident student meeting or whether it's this meeting, <laughs> you just call right. it. That's right. I am the man on the scene. That's right, man. <laughs> You're a roving action reporter. That's right. All right, 15 seconds. <clears throat> Your show will go live in five seconds. Four, three, two, one. Love Talk Radio. And welcome to the uh, Family Medicine Rocks podcast. My name is Mike Savellup, and uh, this is episode 302. I'm going to dispense with the usual intro. I'll leave that for later because we have an exclusive uh interview uh with my good friend Dr. Jerry Tolbert who was on the floor there um at the National Conference of Special Constituencies in uh, Kansas City, Missouri, the huge family medicine leadership meeting of the year. Uh, uh Jerry, can you hear me and, and what is going on there right now, Jerry? Yes, Mike, can you hear me? It's it's cacophony. No. Uh hey, how's it going? All right. So things here are actually just getting kicked off. We just finished the uh new uh attendee, the first time attendee orientation. And uh, great turnout. We've got 80 first-time attendees this year. Uh, record attendance of 179 registered, I think. So that's great. So uh, and it is uh, it is 8:30 a.m. Uh, uh, Central Time, and uh, you had the uh, first-time attendee uh, orientation, which is always very nice. Uh, can you describe kind of uh, some of the elements of that? Uh, kind of what happened during that? Uh, uh, this uh, I, I guess you guys are just kind of finishing up now. So uh, what happened there? Uh, so they they started off with a morning roar, uh, which was just an icebreaker. Uh, moved into talking about how the Congress is set up, or the the conference is set up, how each of the um, decision making processes goes. Uh, set up a discussion about uh, how we bring uh, bring forth policy, how we make ideas, how we take those ideas to the level of resolution, and then. Um, everybody gets a chance to vote on those things that are that are pertinent to the body as a whole. And 
then we had some air guitar time uh, to wake everybody back up. And then we talked about parliamentary procedure, which was good we had the air guitar time before because, as you know, parliamentary procedure can be a bit dry. Uh, yes, but you guys really kind of spiced it up. Is that right? Correct, correct. Um, Dr. Kelly decided that she wanted to have some air guitar time, so she um, brought forward some individuals who actually knew how to play the guitar, and we had some background music, and everybody had a uh, a air guitar jam out session. <laughs> and there is uh, there's evidence of that uh, on Twitter. Uh, Jerry, won't you won't you give me the the the, uh, the relevant hashtags uh, that people should uh, follow during this meeting, Jerry? Okay, you can follow uh, username at aafpncsc. To get uh, actual information from the the conference, if you use hashtag AAFPNCSD or hashtag AAFPALF, that will give you uh, information from both the national conference, the special constituencies, and the leadership forum, which is ALF. Uh, yeah, and it's uh, already seeing some action uh, going on uh, right now, uh, as far as a lot of people uh, tweeting out and. Uh, um, and, and I talked to the, the convener, Madam Convener, uh, Dr. Kim Yu, uh, yesterday, which I'll be uh, playing later on the show here uh, today. And she talked to me a little about some some new elements to the meeting. And, and uh, this meeting has an app now. Have, have you been able to able to try the app yet, Jerry? Uh, yes, actually, uh, they sent it out to, to those of us that are on the advisory committee a little early, and we've had a chance to kind of look at it and use it. Um, it's got some pretty neat features. It automatically links inside the app to the Twitter feed for. Uh, each conference, it has uh, a friending feature so that you can exchange contact information for the folks that you meet here. It has a schedule, uh, and you can tailor the schedule. So if there are nine things going on at one time, you can choose the one that's yours and put it on the calendar, and it's the only thing you see. So it's actually a very handy app for organizing your trip through the conference. All of the handouts for the speakers are now online, and anytime one of those goes live, you can download it directly into the app and have the PDF file of all of the speaker notes. It's a very robust app. So, so what does it mean to friend somebody on the app? What, what does that mean? Essentially, it's just a contact sharing feature. So you build your own profile with your contact information, and if you decide that someone else that's on the on the app or someone that you meet at the conference, you want to exchange contact information through the app, you can do that very quickly and very easily. You just hit one button, and it, it sends a request to exchange information. Uh, now, Jerry, you're just not just hanging out. I mean, you're doing a lot of hanging out, but you do have some uh, official duties. You're, you're part of the leadership committee and the planning committee. Uh, but what are your, some of your responsibilities there other than uh, uh, just being a social media awesome? <laughs> well, that is kind of my primary title, the, the, the king of social media awesome. But uh, the, um, the, the role that I serve here is the new physician co-convener. There are two of us from the group of new physicians to physicians been in practice out of residency less than seven years. Um, we have the essential role of helping to kind of guide things as part of the advisory committee. We also take care of the caucuses and the voting for uh, new physician officers, uh, as well as which would be the, the job that I'm doing right now. So I help take care of the voting for my replacement. We help with discussion groups and resolution writing for the new physician. And we serve as uh, voting members of the new physician uh, group when we go to the Congress of Delegates at the big AAFP meeting, uh, which will be in September in San Diego. 
and that's going to be a great meeting. Uh, that, 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 that's when uh, uh, it's just it's huge and it's enormous. But uh, uh, but I, I was talking with Kim yesterday, and uh, you know, she, she, and you did allude to this, Jerry, is that there's a a record number of attendees, uh, a lot of first time people who are coming to hang out and learn about leadership and all that kind of stuff. And uh, uh, so it looks, it looks like there's going to be a lot of people upset. There's going to be a lot of yelling and screaming, and uh, no, not really, but <laughs> a lot of great ideas that uh, that. that that come out during this meeting. Is that right? That's very true. We do a lot of brainstorming and a lot of building policy statements that we think the AASP should take a look at or ideas of new directions or ideas of improving old directions. It's a great way for people to get their voice heard, and that's kind of that's one of the reasons I was most interested in it. Um, there's a actually a, a social media push this year. Uh, they're doing a similar to the primary care is. This year they're doing INCSC because uh, – and so everybody gets a placard and you use your, your drawing implements and your writing implements to create your placard to say, I NTSE because, and my, my because was everybody needs a voice. Uh, and I think that's a great, the, the part of this conference that makes it so great is that it takes uh, sometimes overlooked constituencies and gives them a very, very big voice and allows them to speak directly to the, to the highest level. That's great. That's great. That, that's something that came out of the, uh, the, the leadership committee because that's a great idea. Uh, it actually came out of the two candidates, one of the candidates for, for convener this year. Um, so the position that Kim Yu is holding, uh, they they decide the candidates beforehand. And uh, Sarah Nozel, one of the candidates, actually came up with the idea, and she's really been spearheading it and and encouraging people to to really participate. Well, wow, that's great. That's great. Huh. So, so Jerry, so what, what are you looking forward to? Uh, uh, this is day one. This is like not even – this is like hour zero because uh, you haven't especially had your opening session, which will be at the top of the hour. But, uh, but Jerry, what, what, are you, what are you looking forward to uh, at uh, this year's uh, NCSC meeting? I'm uh, looking forward to a lot of things. Um, I want to help kind of guide some of the, the new, new physician entrants. You know, this is only – my second conference, but I've been part of the AAFP for a long time. and um, I, I really look forward to kind of getting people into this process, people that may have never done this before, uh, making them an a active participant, making them an active participant in, in deciding policy and creating policy. I also, uh, we do elections every year, and, and this year I'm uh, going to try to throw my hat into the ring for, for the new position board member. Ah, so, so breaking I'm looking news. Forward to, yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess this is... Now that I said this, I kind of have to do it. I can't back out. Uh, um, yes, that's but, why I, I trapped <laughs> you into calling in the show there, Jerry. <laughs> um, but, but I think that's a great opportunity. It's a good chance. There's going to be, I think there are going to be quite a few individuals that are going to try to get that position, and I think it's a great thing. I think that shows that this conference is becoming you know, a serious part of deciding policy and being uh, a big part of the academy. And I think that, that that's important. I think that, you know, having so many new physician attendees and having so many, um, you know, we had 20 states this year that then a full delegation, which I think that's another record. Um, having one of each of the five special constituencies, GLBT, women, uh, minorities, IMGs, and new physicians, having that present from 20 states, one, one person to fill each of those spots is phenomenal. I mean, that's, that is a, a indication of how passionate Kim was about getting everybody here and, and um, you know the, the advisory committee, we we tried our best to to you know facilitate that. You know, with a lot of us were making phone calls and and getting people involved that may not have been involved before. We got two states that sent individuals that have never sent anybody before, and so uh, it, it's it's been a very 
uh, exciting time for us as part of that advisory committee to see just how much momentum that this conference is really picking up. That's great. That's great. You know, and, and uh, you know, and, and I'm um, I'm sad I'm not there. And uh, we I'll, miss you. I'll, I'll be following on Twitter, uh, but uh, Jerry Tolbert, you, you're the 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 unofficial official correspondent of the Family Medicine Rocks podcast, and we'll be pulling for you during this uh, during this election. And I know you alluded to it already, but uh, but Jerry Tolbert, so what, what, why should people uh, vote for you, and why what, why do you think you would be a good selection uh, to be the uh, member of the uh, board of directors? Way to put a guy on the spot. Um... I'm giving you practice, buddy. I know, I know. And you're not supposed to say, um, when you start a speech, but honestly, I think I bring a good ability to put my own opinions aside and be a voice for the people that I represent. I think it's something that I try very hard to do and I try to do it for my patients. I try to do it for my, you know, my friends and family. I try to do it for other physicians already. And I think that at the board level, that's something that, that needs to be ingrained in who you are and what you do. It's not about you. It's not about what you want to do. It's not about what you think should be the right way to go. That has to play into it, but it's not the be-all, end-all. The, the real final decision is what is best for the academy based on what the members want. And I think that at this point, that's going to be my, the, thing that I bring, the, the biggest thing that I bring to the table. I also have, um, I own my own practice, so I represent another minority group. Now, that's probably the wrong word. I represent a smaller group inside the academy. There are a lot of owned physicians now, and so people that own their own practices are are fairly rare. And so that's another group I think needs a voice, and I think I can do that well. That's great. That's great. Yeah, I put you on the spot enough, but... uh, um... Uh, uh, I'm going to ask you, and, and I'm not asking you to take a stand on these issues, but just kind of my observation as far as uh, some of the uh, resolution issues that I kind of see coming up uh, are going to be things like uh, scope of practice, uh, financing as far as uh, primary care, uh, primary care workforce, family medicine workforce, um, and uh, probably um, uh, social issues as well is going to come through on some of these uh, resolutions. Uh, I know that you you have barely talked to a lot of the participants um, uh, uh, this morning, but uh, leading up to the meeting, uh, um, are, are am I missing any uh, any of the hot topic issues that will be uh, discussed and resolutions written during this meeting, Jerry? I don't think so. I think you covered most of it. I think there's going to be a lot about um, you know making sure that the academy clarifies and strengthens their position on all of the issues that you talked about. Uh, a, lot, a couple of things you mentioned have some newer policy already, and so just maybe clarification of those things uh, going forward. I, I think that you know social equality is something that is always a big topic here, and I think that's a huge. Um, there's been a, more discussion about that than a lot of other things, and then this idea of, of you know maintaining our niche um, or expanding our nature or becoming you know a group of of groups. And just trying to make sure everybody's got a unified front that still gets representation. I think that that is still probably going to be one of the biggest issues. But no, I think you hit them all. Uh, last question, uh, Jerry. So, so there's a lot of people who at home who uh, were listening to this live or, or downloading it, and a lot of physicians, a lot of uh, our family physician colleagues um, who have a lot of apathy. Um, who don't really care, they really don't think they can make a difference, um, and uh, not really sure about advocacy. 
um, and uh, if they should get involved. So, so what is your advice to them out there? You know, as far as you know, becoming involved, becoming active, uh, becoming an advocate uh, for our patients, Jerry. My, my advice is just do it. There's no good excuse for not doing it. You know, if, you, if you've got a voice, then use it. If you don't have a voice, then use your hands. If you don't have hands, then you know, dance. Um, there's, there's a myriad of ways that you can represent for people and be there and, and, and provide a, a representation or a voice for people that don't have one. Uh, we as doctors are called to be teachers. We're called to be community leaders. And if you aren't acting in that role, you're neglecting part of what it is that you really pledged to do when you became a doctor. So I, I think that can be one of the most important things that we do is just to do it. Uh, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of trepidation about, I don't know how to do it. The, the short answer is there are a lot of people that do. Find somebody that does. If you feel like you don't know how to do it and you know, attach yourself to them, learn from them, sit at their feet and study if you have to. Um, it's one of the things that I kind of had to overcome was not so much my trepidation, but there are times when it's best to be quiet. And that was one of the things that I as a loud person had <laughs> to figure out. But I think that's that's another important place that you can be an advocate is by listening to people that know what they're doing and spreading that message, getting the message out that, hey, there is a group that advocates, even if you yourself aren't able to be there and do it, uh, you know, passing on the word that, you know, if there's something that you have passion that you feel strongly about, let us know about it. If you can't be here, someone else will stand in your place and, you know, put that word out there. All right, there is Dr. Jerry Tolbert. Now, Jerry, now I, I did I did trap you uh, and I did bait you, and so so if you do not run for the board, uh, this is no uh, you know this podcast is is in no way way an obligation <laughs> to do that. Uh, uh, I know people get uh, get caught up in the excitement of the meeting, and I'm I'm telling you in public on the air. If you do not run, that is fine. Uh, but I know that you're very excited to to be there, and I will be uh, like all a lot of other people uh, following on Twitter. Hashtag AAFPNCSC, hashtag uh, AAFPALF, and of course uh, the FM Revolution um, hashtag. You got anything else for me, Jerry, before I let you go? I know you're getting ready for the top of the hour for the opening session uh, with uh, Dr. James Galloway. Uh, looks like it's going to be a very good session. It does, and there's a huge crowd here. It looks like it's going to be uh, a nice chance to kind of um, sit down and reconnect and talk to everybody and and uh, also get everybody into the into the fray here. It's getting kind of loud, and but it uh, looks like it's gonna be a fun time. All right, man. Yeah, social media thing out. It's it. Uh, I'll be waiting uh, for everybody we'll to send pictures and tweet out. It's gonna be a great meeting. Yeah, definitely. All right, man. Have a good one. Well, we'll talk to you very soon. You too. I'll talk to you too. All right. All right, kids. So uh, that is a kind of an unorthodox uh, way to start the uh, start the show here. But I wanted to get uh, Jerry right at the beginning of the show here. We will uh, start with the usual uh, beginning of the show right after this on the Family Medicine Rocks uh, podcast. Very exciting live report from uh, Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, but we'll be right back after this. What is love, baby? Don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. Welcome 
welcome back to the Family Medicine Rocks uh, podcast. My name is uh, Mike Savella. Oh, let's see. This this will be interesting. Let's see who this is. Hello, who is this? Hi, uh, I'm just listening to your show. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, well, thank you. I'll just put you back on hold. Thank you very much. All right, so uh, so welcome uh, to the uh, Family Medicine Rocks podcast. My name is Mike Savella. Hey, and um, yeah, you can listen to to the show live on the air, just like that person when I inappropriately picked up their call. So uh, so I would just uh, keep going here. So um, this is episode 302. This is a Thursday, April 25, uh, 2013. Uh, and, uh, yeah, kind of an interesting show here for you today, kids, that we're going to be uh, talking about. Uh, uh, talking about the uh, huge family medicine leadership uh, meeting uh, in Kansas City going on right now uh, by the uh, American Academy of Family Physicians. It's actually two meetings in one. It is the annual leadership forum and it is the uh, uh, National Conference of Special Constituencies. And uh, I've been there many times before and uh, uh, sorry I couldn't be there uh, this year, but uh, there's already people tweeting out about the meeting. So if you're on Twitter, uh, you can uh, go to um, uh, you can go to uh, hashtag AAFPNCSC and hashtag AAFPALF uh, uh, to follow the meeting uh, there, and uh, it's uh, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Uh, uh, so um, my name is, is of course Mike Savilla, your favorite family physician host, and uh, you can check out my digital library of stuff at familymedicinerocks.com. And shout out to all the people following me on Twitter, uh, all 12,030 uh, people uh, following me on Twitter, and all uh, 801 people who like the uh, Facebook page uh, for this show. And uh, today is uh, April 25, 2013, um, eight months before Christmas. You're welcome. And uh, it is uh, 9.49 a.m. Eastern daylight time and uh it feels like 34 degrees uh, fahrenheit there so uh, thank you so much for for joining me here and um uh coming up here uh, we have a a couple of great interviews uh coming up that I re- recorded over the past couple of days because as you know meetings like this are very busy and it's very difficult to get people live on the air and that's why it's so very unique uh, and awesome uh that uh, Jerry was able to call in live uh, from the meeting, but uh, I have a couple of great interviews here for you uh, today. Uh, one is from uh, the conference chair herself, uh, Dr. Kim Yu. Uh, we talked yesterday, uh, and of course, you know, being the the the, uh, uh, the leader of the meeting, she's very busy right at this second. So we were able to uh, record an interview yesterday uh, before the mayhem started, uh, and uh, uh, about her thoughts about the meeting, uh, about some impressions about the meeting, what she's looking forward to uh, during the meeting in the next uh, few days. Uh, and later in the show, um, somebody I've been meaning to get on the uh, on the podcast for a long time uh, is um, uh, Dr. Uh, Troy uh, Fessinger, who is currently the president uh, of the um, Texas Academy of Family Physicians. And I, I see him tweeting out already this morning uh, from the meeting, and we had a nice conversation about family medicine leadership, uh, and also an interesting conversation about uh, the business of medicine, uh, how to uh, utilize uh, data, uh, financial data, quality data, uh, things that um, uh, that I could have done a, a little bit better job uh, at learning. <laughs> Uh, so we'll have a great, uh, great uh, 
conversation about that um, as well. Uh, so um, what I'll do is I'll, I will uh, I will take a break. I will take another brief break, and then after the break, uh, we'll be uh, I'll be playing the interview with my good friend uh, Dr. Kim Yu, the the convener, the uh, uh, the conference chair of the uh, uh, National Conference of Special Constituencies. So uh, you're listening to the Family Medicine Rocks podcast, the unofficial podcast of the Family Medicine Revolution. Just Google FM Revolution for more information. Also a member of the Proma Network, a podcast you can get there going to promanetwork.com. And we will uh, take a quick break right here. And uh, welcome back to the Family Medicine Rocks podcast, live on the Blog Talk Radio Network uh, on a unique uh, Thursday morning edition of the meeting. We're talking about the uh, huge Family Medicine Leadership meeting going on right now as we speak in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, uh, the uh, National Conference of Special Constituencies and also the annual Leadership Forum. Uh, and uh, what I'm going to do now is... Uh, I have a. Uh, I'm going to play a chat. We're going to play an interview that I did uh, yesterday uh, with the uh, leader of the uh, NCSC meeting, uh, my good friend for a long time, uh, Dr. Kim Yu, and um, uh, we had a great conversation as she was uh, getting ready for this chaos, this mayhem, this this awesomeness that is being the uh, leader of this leadership meeting <laughs> if that makes sense uh and uh, during this uh during this interview um you know we talk about uh, some of the new elements of the meeting i talked about it with jerry already uh, there's an app for the meeting now um and there's there's a, a couple other new elements to the meeting uh kind of her job as the conference chair uh and things that she's looking forward to uh during this meeting this uh this interview is about 15 minutes and uh, we will start that right now, and uh, I will have some commentary after that. So uh, here is the 2013 NCSC conference convener. This is uh, Dr. Kim Yu in our conversation yesterday. All right, and uh, welcome back to the uh, Family Medicine Rocks podcast. My name is uh, Mike Savellop, and uh, on the line uh, with us, uh, she's very busy, uh, so I, I really appreciate the time. Uh, the, the, the conference chair, the convener, the leader, just, just the, the awesome person of the entire meeting, Dr. Kim Yu, is uh, with us. Uh, welcome back to the show there, my dear. Thank you so much, Mike. That's, that's really sweet. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm so bummed I'm not there, uh, this year. Uh, but, uh, uh, uh this is, sounds like it's gonna be just a, just an awesome meeting. Uh, but I guess just kind of starting out, um, you know, f for people, especially, you know, family docs or AAFP members, you know, who may not be that familiar with NCSC. And, you know, how, how would you describe the meeting? I know it's hard to describe, but how, how would you describe the meeting to them, especially to try to get them to come next year? NCSC is the best meeting of the year, and this year it's, it's, it's truly the biggest and the best. Um, it represents all of the different special constituencies, which include new physicians, women, minority, 
international medical graduates and GLBT um, representatives from each state. And it's very exciting to hear policy being made, leaders being grown, and people going back home with a real passion for family medicine. I'm so excited to be the convener this year, and we really are excited because this year we have the highest attendance ever. Wow. That's great. Yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> I know. It's very I know. It's, it's probably great, you know, just a, just a uh, – uh, just for your team, you know, just uh, probably contacting chapters or contacting people, contacting their friends to to uh, share with them the excitement of NCSC and, and, and to get them out to this year's meeting. I'm so happy for you as far as getting all those people out. It's it's going to be even better kind of seeing what happens in the next few days with all that all those people, all that energy, all the ideas coming together in one place for family medicine. Indeed. I mean, we've got over 40 chapters out of 55 represented here in Kansas City, 179 people total. And for this year, it's very exciting that we have 36 new physician delegates. But out of the 179 total, we have 101 um, physicians who are new physicians at this meeting, which is unprecedented that we've had that many new physicians be a part of this meeting. So we're very excited about the future for family medicine, seeing people get excited and invigorated to really go back to their state chapters to learn more about advocacy and how to serve their communities better. And, uh, you know, your title is is uh, Madam uh, Convener, and uh, people may not be uh, uh, completely uh, familiar with that title. It's kind of a conference chair. It's kind of a lot of different things. And, and uh, uh, how would you describe what, what your job is over the next uh, few days at NCSC? Um, it's almost like being the cheerleader, I guess, uh, or maybe not the cheerleader, uh, master of ceremonies, the person who introduces the meeting and the speakers and the different wonderful, um, amazing speakers that we have for this meeting, for the breakout sessions. Um, it's a role where this past year we've worked hard with the advisory group to um, put on the meeting, to think about new ideas that we want to have at the meeting and how we can encourage participation both on listservs and also just to drum up more interest in the National Conference of Special Constituencies. So it's a very exciting role where we can really help to bring people together um, to try and inspire others to serve in their state chapters and also here at the meeting, which is a very exciting thing to see happen. Uh, and, and the big thing for the for the conference chair for the convener the 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 reason why people really show up is <laughs> is to see you the convener uh on the last day of the meeting kind of uh go through the business session or the resolutions or the parliamentary procedure uh to kind of sort through uh <laughs> you know all of uh, all of the ideas and resolutions that have come through uh, through the previous days of the meeting so so Kim have you have you brushed up a little bit on your parliamentary procedure and are you ready to like throw people out or or to call people out of order have you practiced those <laughs> absolutely point of order <laughs> i've um i i'm ready as i um hope to be i guess um we had actually a, a run 
during the Michigan Academy of Family Physicians, I was the vice speaker there, and they actually had me in very much a similar role where I had to say all those in favor say yes and all those opposed say no. And it was really interesting because there were so many people that wanted to see I and they, and I had to explain to them, we're actually going to be saying yes and no at NCSC, so that's why we're saying that. But um, it's it's a really fun thing um, for those who are involved in parliamentary procedure. You either love it or you hate it, and I love it. And so I'm hoping that we'll be able to have a really good, clean meeting. Um, resolutions will be written, that they're well-written, and we can really act on them. Um, and give give the board and the AFP something they can really do um, to help our further our academy and also the health of the nation. It's very exciting what we'll be able to see. And as convener, it's it's amazing to see what happens on the floor. Um, I mean, you know, you've been there, Mike, as convener. Oh, yeah. Um, don't you think? I mean, it's it's amazing to see resolutions that start with just an idea actually come to a point where they're able to make something actionable and something that really is useful um, for, for the Academy and for the members. So and, and I'm, I'm very excited about uh, it. Really unique about the AFP, the Academy of Family Physicians, is is that members, family physicians, can kind of see an idea uh, grow or go through the process of eventually becoming um, policy, uh, policy that is presented, you know, maybe even uh, at the federal level in Washington, and saying this is what the Academy thinks about this specific issue, and it could be about a health policy issue, it could be about a clinical issue, it could be a lot about any other issue, um, and, and I think uh, uh, I think Academy members don't really grasp that or know that until they come to a meeting uh, like this to say, hey, you know, I, I have this idea, or I, I have this idea that I bring forward from my friends and my colleagues in my community uh, and present it, and it goes through the process, and, uh, and you can kind of really see the members, uh, especially members who have been, you know, first time people who come to this meeting or other leadership meetings and and they see their ideas kind of you know really start to make a difference and, and not just not just be there and not do anything and that that's really inspiring to see I definitely agree with you yeah definitely definitely it's very exciting um one resolution that came through NCSE a few years ago was about a special interest group for emergency medicine and we've seen that group now grow and grow each year and every time I go to that meeting now for the um, special interest group in emergency medicine, which is held each, uh, well, whenever the scientific assembly is this year, in September, last year was in October, um, we have more members come. And these people don't realize that that actually came about because of a resolution here at NCSC. So that's kind of one of the few very small things that has happened, but something that can impact our members and help them really feel that they have a home, they have a place here at the academy, they have a voice. This is what NCSE gives people voice, and that's the exciting thing to to allow people to have their opportunity to say what they believe in and what is important. Uh, and I do want to want you to comment a little bit on a couple new elements uh, for the uh, 2013 meeting. Uh, first thing is is well, something I've seen all over Twitter and Facebook is that there's an app for that. There's an app for uh, NCSE. Can you I know. It's very exciting. We have a brand new app. And it's beautiful. It's very colorful. It has a schedule. It has all the notes, the speaker notes. It all has, also has the ability, you have the ability to be able to make friends 
through the app, so all the conference attendees will be able to friend each other or request being a friend with someone um, and get their contact information and be able to message each other through that app. So it's very exciting to see um, the Academy take on another way of bringing this material and also saving trees, which is always a good thing. Uh, And another thing that that you mentioned to me before our interview was this concept or idea of uh, physician champions, NCSC physician champions. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, this is a very exciting thing that was born out of an idea through the Commission on Membership and Member Services. We really wanted to see um, states that previously historically may not have sent many or not any representatives to NCSC we really wanted to see um, more involvement. And so we have identified about 15 physician champions from different states where these are members who have come to NCSC before and have been recognized as people who are advocates for NCSC, who understand what it's about and who can tell people about it, and who would be able to work with the leadership in the state, with their chapter executives and with the leadership presidents and and likewise the boards in their state to really help identify potential people who would be able to attend NCSC. We also wanted the physician champions to be able to um, identify barriers. So sometimes we hear back that people can't find people to come to this meeting or they don't have money to bring people to this meeting. We wanted to know what is it that prevents people from sending people to the best conference of the year. This is where we can grow leaders for each state. And so um, having physician champions is a wonderful thing, and I'm hoping it will be something that will continue and grow even more. Wow, that's great. That's great. Um, so um, I know you're very busy, but, uh, but my last question for you is just kind of, you know, any kind of um, you know closing thoughts or things that you're looking forward to or, um, and, and before that, I mean, I, I do want to let people know if you, if you want to follow the meeting on Twitter, uh, the hashtag is AAFPNCSC. Uh, the companion meeting that is going on at the same time is the annual leadership forum, um, and that is a hashtag AAFPALF, um, and then our usual FM Revolution hashtags. There's hashtags all over the place. Uh, uh, but I, I guess uh, uh, as we as we close our conversation for now, Kim. I mean, uh, uh, you know, what are you looking forward to? What 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 uh, what kind of closing thoughts do you have as far as you know uh, NCSC and uh, uh, family medicine leadership advocacy to to uh, to close with my audience here today? I am really hoping that NCSC will become everyone's favorite meeting of the year, not just mine. I know that for myself, I've met so many wonderful people here, and I'm excited to see old friends, make new friends here. I'm excited to see what we will achieve this year in the resolutions that are written. I'm excited about just the camaraderie and the fellowship that we have here at the meeting, Um, even more so the leadership skills that we'll be able to share with each other and grow. We want to inspire and create change to lead the future of family medicine into something that maybe people haven't seen before, something new and something different. And I'm excited to see that happen here at this meeting. I'm hoping that people will also tweet me questions. We're going to be electing a new convener. Um, So I am asking for questions via Twitter to me. 
which is hashtag D-R-K-K-Y-U. And um, I'm excited just to see it all happen. I wish you were all here. I really do. Yeah, and, and there, there, was, there was this uh, unique hashtag that I saw that you tweeted out, uh, inspire, create, lead, hashtag inspire, create, lead. How would you come up with that? It was something that um, Tina Canner, who is our current president-elect for the Michigan Academy of Family Physicians, and I were talking about what is it that we really want to see happen here at NCSC, what is the vision that um, I may have as convener, and we sat down and thought that that hashtag, to be able to inspire others to do a really good job, to create community of physicians who want to go on and want to bring the family medicine revolution, to bring family medicine adventures to the next level, to have leaders who will advocate not only for their patients, for their um, specialty, but even for themselves, uh, to be able to grow those skills here, that's something that we really wanted to be able to do and to help me remember that that's what I want to do here, is to be able to um, have that as our vision. So, wow. That's it. Wow. <laughs> uh, so my guest has been uh, the convener. Uh, Dr. Kim Yu, and uh, from the National Conference of Special Constituencies. Um, and uh, as we record this, this is the day before the meeting, but uh, the, this will be played uh, on, the, on day one of the meeting. Uh, Kim, thank you so much for the time. I, I'm very happy for you um, and happy for the meeting, and I wish I could be here this year. I, thank I will, you. I will feel the energy through Twitter uh, because uh, that is really kind of where, where social media um, and the Academy really came together at this meeting a couple years ago, and uh, it's going to be it's going to be great to see. I'm going to feel like I'm going to be there on Twitter. Uh, best I know, and you will be because we hope to have. Um, we hope to be showing your video here too. And we're very excited to have several of the conveners have their video message, some greetings to everybody, and I'm hoping that we'll be able to even maybe shoot some more video of the people attending here. That's going to be great. That's going to be great. Thanks so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, and uh, we'll be right back uh, here on the Family Medicine Rocks podcast. We'll be right back. Woo! <laughs> Miami Sound Machine. Big Will, King of the Hill. Emilio, letting it flow. Oh, this live. Oh, this live. Keeping it live, right? Miami, South Beach, bringing the heat. Uh. Can y'all feel that? Can y'all feel that? And welcome back to the uh, Family Medicine Rocks podcast. Live on a uh, Thursday morning here on the uh, Block Talk Radio Network. It is 10:10 a.m. Eastern Time. It is 9:10. Central Time, and uh, as we broadcast live here, uh, I'm, I'm monitoring my Twitter stream, and it looks like uh, Dr. Jeff Kane, the AAFP president, rocked the house uh, with his uh, with his with his uh, speech there. And um, there was a quote here that I wanted to pull out that was uh, that was said. Uh, Dr. Jeff Kane, the president of the AAFP, said the following quote: "I am an underrepresented minority." 
parentheses, physical handicap. And the tweet goes on to say, a powerful opening session at AAFP NCSC. That is from my good friend, Danny Lewis, who is tweeting out at the meeting. Uh, so uh, so this is the, the, the power of social media there, kids. I feel like I'm there. Um, I feel like I'm there, you know, taking part of it, feeling the energy, feeling the empowerment, um, feeling the excitement uh, that is the uh, uh, National Conference of Special Constituencies. Uh, so my second interview here uh, is uh, talking about uh, the companion meeting, which is the annual leadership forum. It is for um, state-level leaders, specifically officers, people like president and vice president, treasurer, uh, speaker, vice speaker, and uh, you know, members of the board of directors at the state level. That is kind of the companion meeting uh, that is going on at the uh, same time here. I'm getting some tweets from the uh, uh, from the from the ALF meeting, which is AAFP. Excuse me, which is hashtag AAFP ALF. Uh, if you want to follow that on Twitter, and uh, I've never uh, been there before. Um, I've uh, only kind of been at uh, uh, NCSC sessions, uh, but maybe next year I'll be uh, able to go to the uh, to the ALF uh, meeting. Uh, so that'll be fun. Uh, but uh, my second interview uh, uh, that I'm going to be playing here uh, is uh, from the president of the Texas Academy of Family Physicians, Dr. Troy Fessinger. And I met him a, a year ago uh, at this meeting. I was uh, able to attend uh, last year. We had a great discussion about family medicine leadership, about social media. Um, and uh, uh, it's taken me a while to get him on the show. It, in fact, it took him an email to me and say, hey, Mike, uh, if you still have time, we would still would still love to chat on the podcast um, about uh, family medicine issues. So, uh, so thank you, uh, Chori, for uh, for reaching out to me and uh, uh, and uh, still wanting to come on. So uh, I saw him on uh, Facebook uh, this morning uh, with his uh, uh, with his Starbucks coffee, and uh, he he is ready to roll uh, uh, this morning uh, during the Alf sessions. Uh, so uh, so without uh, further ado, here. So some of the topics we'll be talking about here. We're talking about family medicine leadership. Uh, we're going to talk about the Alf meeting. Uh, we're going to talk about things that he's looking forward to, and, and also a, a good conversation about uh, uh, some business of medicine uh, type of topics, microeconomics, uh, uh, macroeconomics, the money side of medicine, uh, and also uh, of other data like quality issues. Uh, so that'll be fun to, uh, to to share with all of you. And uh, let me find uh, let me find this here. So uh, coming up right here, this is the uh, president of the Texas Academy of Family Physicians, Dr. Troy Fessinger, and our uh, discussion and uh, chat about uh, uh, the annual leadership forum, family medicine uh, leadership, and other topics. Here we go. And on the line with us, um, we've been talking about this for a year, and I've been uh, neglecting to get him on the show, so that's my fault. But uh, I do want to welcome to the show uh, my good friend, the president of the uh, Texas Academy of Family Physicians, Dr. Troy Fessinger. Welcome to the show there, my friend. Thank you. Good evening. Uh, so uh, uh, this has uh, been kind of a, a long time getting this interview uh, coming up, so I'm looking forward to our conversation. But as I, uh, as I uh, ask everybody, uh, the very hard first question uh, <laughs> as we get – our conversation going is uh, Troy. So, uh, you know, why do you love uh, family medicine, and, and what, what's cool about your job? Well, why do you enjoy our specialty so much? Well, uh, softballs are certainly better than hardballs, and uh, you're better than a congressional committee. Um, I 
love a lot of things. I love the variety. I love doing something a little bit different every day with every patient. Um, I tell students it's like what's behind door number three. You never know quite what you're going to walk into, whether it's a medical issue, psychological issue, social issue. And I love the challenge. I love the variety. Um, I probably would have been bored to tears as a radiologist or dermatologist. Um, I like doing different things. I like to do procedures. I get to do that. I like to deliver babies. I get to do that. I like to work in the hospital and the clinic. I like to do that. I get to manage chronic diseases. I get to see colds. I like to do that. I get to follow particular interests. I really enjoy treating ADHD. I get to treat a lot of kids with that, and that's very rewarding. Um, I really like everything about it. I think enjoying that variety keeps me going, and I always wanted to find a way I could impact people's health on a real concrete level since I was a teenager, and being a film doc is a great way to do it. Are you uh, originally from Texas, or are there people uh, in your family uh, in medicine? Is that kind of how you got influenced to go to uh, medical school in the first place, Troy? Yes, it's interesting. I'm the first doctor in 100 years in my family, but um, I am a native Texan. My parents moved from upstate New York back in the 60s, and um, I just ended up liking science and biology and followed that path. I was never encouraged or discouraged from doing it. Uh, how about the, you know, being influenced to you know, to go into family medicine, or uh, do you remember any kind of uh, mentors or, along the way, or or you know, positive influences that that kind of shifted you in that direction, or did it all come down to kind of third year when you were doing your rotations? So, uh, how did um, you find family medicine? It was, it was really a mix. I can think of a couple things stand out. Um, I spent a lot of time in college working with a group called the North Carolina Student Rural Health Coalition when I was a Duke undergrad. We would organize health screening clinics in three different rural communities. So I got to do rural health work, meet some really amazing community activists, physicians, labor organizers, just a whole mix of amazing people who really dedicated themselves to improving these impoverished communities. Got to meet residents and medical students who are trying to do similar work. So that put this on my mind, okay, here's a way I can really help people in a very concrete way. Um, when I got to medical school, that was what I wanted to do. I went to a medical school, typical of many, that produces lots of specialists and very few family doctors. Um, but at the same time, it's a school that really emphasized clinical experience. So while we produce a lot of specialists, if you had a primary care event, it was a great place to learn how to be a primary care doctor. Um, and I did my first clinical rotation at OB-GYN, loved OB-GYN, was going to be an OB-GYN for six months. Um, did surgery, knew I wasn't going to be a surgeon. Did psych, realized I like psychiatry, but I wanted to examine people. And then I did internal medicine. I loved internal medicine. So I thought, now I'm stuck. I like internal medicine. <laughs> so actually, I like OB-GYN because you get to jump in there and do stuff, um, even as a student. So then how do I do it? Well, then I did family medicine in the fall. Got sick as stink, by the way. I think I caught everything that went through that office. Um, but I worked with a husband and wife from England who ran a partnership practice in a suburb of Houston that had been there for years. Um, for all their patients, their kids went to high school with the patient's kids. They took you home for lunch every day, and the wife's physician made you soup. I thought, man, this is awesome. If this is what sound medicine is like, this is cool. And <laughs> it's a pair of families, and they're a female physician, she loved to do ADHD and deal with mental illness. The husband loved dealing with geriatrics. Even in their own little partnership, they divided up the patients. 
and they were really great role models for how you can make it work, make it enjoyable. Um, and I thought, man, if these people can put this together, then Stanley Medicine is what I need to do, because then I can combine everything I like into one specialty and not feel like I missed out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and now you're the you're the president of, of the Texas uh, chapter. Um, as far as kind of the, your path towards leadership and, and being uh, being active in, in, uh, um, in, in an organizational uh, medicine, uh, uh, were you always kind of uh, like that uh, growing up or uh, trying to be part of the solution, or, or how, how did you find yourself doing uh, organizational medicine? Sure. Um, I always wanted to, but it took a while to get to the right place. It's kind of funny because as a student, I was really active in various campus classes. Medical school, I was so darn busy just studying that I had the interest but no time. And there wasn't a lot of community outreach back in the 90s in Houston. Um, Students say I interview them because they have a lot more opportunity to do community work. It's much more popular and accepted. Um, But I had this whiplash going from college being an activist going to medical school, and it was just put your nose to the grindstone. Um, and in residency, one of my co-residents was really active in the North Carolina Academy. And I remember Tanya Little, shout out to Tanya, who's still in Wilson, actually outside of Wilson, North Carolina, um, who said, you guys really need to go to the state meeting. You should really get involved. And I thought, nah, I'm too busy. <laughs> I'm getting engaged. I'm going to get married. I don't have time for this. So I laugh, but now I'm chapter president. <laughs> um, so I get out of residency, we have our first trial, we move across the country, you know, all that stuff you go through. It's like, okay, I'm still trying to sort out all these life changes. So after a couple of years, things are settling down, I'm getting established in my group. And one of the senior partners said, hey, I'm on the board of the Texas Academy, but I'm way too busy to do it. Do you want to go to the summer meeting? It's like, sure, I'll go. Um, and the way we handle things is if the board representative can't go, any member can go and be seated um, by the delegation, by the group. So I show up, and I don't know anybody, and the person who's now our chief operating officer tells me where the bathroom is, and one of the now past presidents, who was then our vice president, just kind of showed me the ropes, and um, one thing led to another. Um, it, was, it was a long path, and it takes, I think, a long time to really learn all the different skills you need. But um, I had really just great mentors all along the way. Uh, I guess on the line is the the president of the Texas Academy of Family Physicians, uh, Dr. Troy uh, Fessinger. And uh, uh, let's kind of shift topics here because, you know, as uh, as we record this uh, little behind the scenes for everybody out there in, in Internet land, uh, we record this a couple of days before the big uh, family medicine leadership meeting uh, known as the Annual Leadership Forum and the uh, National Conference of Special Constituencies, and and Troy will be uh, will be attending that. Um, and it's a it's a huge uh, time you know, for leadership development, for advocacy work, uh, a lot of great networking across uh, the country. Uh, but Troy, as far as you know, being a, a state level leader, being a a a, a state chapter president. Um, it, well, what does the annual leadership forum, what does this leadership development uh, meeting uh, mean to you and, and you know, mean, mean to, to state chapters? I'd say, one, it's a great meeting. So if you've never been, you should go. What's funny is people told me that for years, and I always said I'm too busy. The State Medical Society meets the same month. 
FTSM, the Teaching Family Medicine meets right around the same time. I'm too busy. So you can see a theme here. People suggesting to me it takes me a while to figure it out. But once I went last year for the first time, I got it. Like, this is great. There's so much energy and enthusiasm. Um, leadership development, education, connections. Um, that was just amazing. So I'm very excited to go back. Um, our chapter funds scholarships for people to go who've never been before. So we try really hard to get new members and younger members to attend and definitely encourage our officers to go. And that's what really motivated me is, okay, I'm an officer. I'm going to be chapter president. I really need to get out, meet people on a national level. And especially, I think, for folks coming from a state like Texas that's big and has its own issues, figure out what the issues are in other parts of the country. Because um, it's easy, probably in any state, to get totally caught up in your own state business and lose track of what affects people in the northeast, the northwest, the southeast, the central part of the country. And that's a huge value to Alf. I mean, I talked to a doctor from Colorado about legalization of marijuana, medicinal marijuana there, and now when the issue comes up in Texas, not that we're rushing to do it anytime soon, um, about <laughs> and nice. I can talk to Leslie and say, hey, here's how it's played out in one state. Here's some issues for us to think about. Um, and that never would have happened if I hadn't gone out. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just a, a tremendous amount of stories um, like that. And uh, uh, the, the, the topics that they talk about there are, are topics about advocacy and, and how to uh, how to communicate important issues, um, you know, to our colleagues and to the community. You know, th- things that are important to us, like you know, patient-centered medical home and and uh, GME or education funding and, and all those all those type of things. Uh, and, and it is, you're right, Troy, it is interesting talking with people from other states uh, to see what is going on at the state and local level as far as specific issues. Um, and you're right, I mean, there, there, there are some stories that, that I have um, shared from that meeting and say, hey, this is what's going on in this community or this is what's going on in this um, state. Um, and, and the friends that you, that you meet at this uh, meeting is just uh, incredible. Uh, um, I, I remember, you know, uh, you know, seeing some of these uh, people um, back from the uh, you know uh, resident and student meeting days when we were um, causing trouble at that meeting, and uh, it, it is great kind of uh, keeping track of people as they go through their personal and professional life, and um, and this meeting not only you know, <clears throat> updates people about issues but and teaches skills, but uh, it, is, it is great great going back year after year, and you'll see this too, Troy, uh, is, is that you know just keeping track of people as as uh, as they go through things, because, you know, when you're at home, you're, you know, obviously focusing on working and, and you know, getting, getting things done. And, uh, there's not a lot of time to kind of keep track of what's going on. And you go to a meeting like this and you learn information, you get energized, re-energized. And, uh, I just can't say enough about it. It's, uh, I, I enjoy going to that and I'm, I regret uh, not uh, being able to go this year, but uh, I'm glad that you're going. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, it really recharges you because um, we all get frustrated at times. And I was at noon today. We had a board meeting for a local Medicare Advantage plan, talking about the finances of a Medicare Advantage plan. Well, it's, you know, not always a cheery meeting. So it's nice to know I'm heading off to Alf to talk about big picture issues with people who are excited about what they do. Um, I guess on the line is uh, Dr. Troy Fessinger. Uh, from from Texas, and 
Uh, I do want to talk a little bit about the, the business of medicine uh, here a little bit, but uh, uh, I neglected to, to ask you at the top uh, uh, as far as uh, describing my audience here. What, what is your, your current uh, practice situation where you're at now? Okay. So I'm currently on faculty in a community-based family medicine residency program in the suburb of Houston. Um, we're a level three recognized patient center medical home with electronic record, e-prescribing, secure email, patient web portal, um, all the bells and whistles. We're attached to a large hospital system that has about 25% of the Houston market. Um, so I spend about a little less than half my time seeing my own patients. I round in the hospital, still deliver babies, still do inpatient work, and then teach residents, you know, the rest of the remaining time. But before that, I was medical director of NACQHC. Prior to that, I was the director of quality and safety for the regional outpatient clinics for Scott and White Health System when I was in full-time private practice, still doing a DNA patient. So I've done a lot of different things, but I've enjoyed making shifts as my career moves on and really like what I'm doing now. Uh, yeah, when you came right out of residency, you joined a huge type of uh, a medical group, and uh, um, and we were talking about before the show as, as far as, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that, you know, that, uh, that residents or medical students or those new to practice, um, there's no other way to kind of learn some of these, um, microeconomics, macroeconomics, the business of medicine, uh, type of things. And, uh, uh that's something very important for you that, that, that people should know about. Is that right? Um, Absolutely. I was telling you before, we started to drive home to me when I was a month out of residency, and someone put this paper down on my desk and said, here's your graph. I said, my graph? What are my graphs? Oh, it's your RVUs per patient, RVUs per day, patients per day, patients per month, gross charges, referrals, out-of-network costs, ER admissions, and pretty overwhelming. I thought, okay, let me go find someone smarter than me to explain all this. But seeing how data-driven that organization was and how much they knew about me, even after just a month, um, was pretty impressive. And after three months, it was really nice when they said, hey, here's a list of our all our new physician hires, and here's the most productive, and I was number three on the list for productivity. That was really cool. I thought, man, I, I am busting my butt, but nice to be recognized for it. Um, but understanding that data year by year just became more and more important and more clear to me. And we talked about in residency. We had seminars and instruction, but when it's real and it's your income and your livelihood, I think you pay a lot more attention. And you have time. You know, you're not having to study as much. You can focus more on it. And I mean, and that's not something that I mean, just to let the general audience know, you know, that's not something that is you know, really kind of seen that much, or maybe seen at all. Um, you know, during. Uh, um, during your training, your residency training, as far as seeing those specific numbers, because I don't remember seeing anything like that. And, um, uh, and I, I agree that it's kind of shocking seeing that your first month out or your first three months out, and they said, oh, they have all this data on me, um, and didn't even know that they were accumulating that type of data. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of that is shifting because once I get into academics, I took that lesson and I thought, okay, there's no reason residents and faculty shouldn't get the same data and same information. So I jumped into teaching the practice management, the billing and coding, and 
you know, every quarter I would put up the residents' coding data, their coding profiles, their RVUs, because to me the best way you teach it is to make it real and relate it back to them. And that's why I think we aired before. We taught it kind of in the abstract. You have to make it real and, I think, fully integrated into the way the practice is run, just like my multi-specialty group did. This is just what we do. I think you should do it the same way in a training program. And then students, residents will come out with a deeper understanding. Now, and now you have to add on to that all the quality improvement data. Um, we do that. We push out our quality improvement data to faculty and residents monthly because it's real. I mean, the bonuses add up. It's serious money. And when they, I just tell them, when you go out to practice, this is the world you're going into. You can love it or hate it. It really doesn't matter. You've got to understand it. Yeah, yeah. I mean that is, uh, uh, and in this uh, day and age, you know, where where uh, where the government, where insurance companies are are looking to you know, really, you know, see every dollar that we spend, whether it's ordering tests or or prescribing medications or anything like that. Uh, that is something that is very important. That I think a lot of physicians, I don't think they ignore it, but I, I think that. That uh, the data is so overwhelming that uh, it's kind of disabling, and and some people just mm-hmm. say, just give up and say, hey, you know, I, there's no way that I can try to learn this and do my clinical patient medicine. Um, what kind of advice do, do you have to those you know docs who say, hey, how do I start learning about this, or how, how do I start you know trying to you know, learning learning the system? Sure, and it's definitely a challenge. Like you said, you're trying to, you know, for you and your small group, you're trying to see your patients, you're trying to support your staff, you're trying to spend personal time, you're trying to interact with your partners, add on to that the financial burdens, add on to that the quality burdens. Um, I think you have to, it's, a lot of it's prioritizing, and this sounds like simple business book advice, you know, yeah, right, that's easy to say, hard to do. But we went through this in our own faculty practice, we had all these quality measures and we had all these reminders that would pop up in our electronic medical record. And there were so many just overwhelmed people. So people stopped dealing with them. They exactly. Them. And I said at a meeting, look, what are the most important ones? Okay, let's list the ones that most of the insurance plans track. The ones we get bonused on, that's where the money is. And now they happen to be diabetes, heart disease, cervical cancer screening, colon cancer screening. You know, no one's going to argue you shouldn't do these things. They're all things we'd agree are pretty important. Number one, two, they're easy to measure. So, you know, prioritize what's going to reward you or improve your patient's health the most. Look at what's easy to measure. Don't go after something that you can't measure because then you have no idea if you're doing a good job or not. Um, and that is an evolving discussion. You've got to talk about it. You've got to know the different programs. Find other physicians who have more experience with this. You know, that whole idea of act on what you can measure, I learned from Bruce Begley, because they organized a class on practice improvement probably seven, eight, maybe, maybe ten years ago um, in Kansas City, and I went to that simple my organization, and it was really eye-opening, because they were approaching quality improvement the way we were taught to approach research, and they taught some best practices that I still take to heart, and I get frustrated when other organizations don't follow those. Um, so I think AFP all along has had the right vision. And, you know, again, shout out to Bruce Begley for setting me on the right path. 
Um, so if you don't have the skills, find someone who does. There's people in the cafe that have it. There's resources on our website where you can learn it. So there's probably doctors in your community um, that have a pretty good handle. Um, or Dr. Batchelder from Ohio, I'm probably butchering his name. But he yeah, yeah, no, no, that's right. He chaired, he chaired the ASP Commission on Quality and Practice when I was on it. And he was in a solo practice with an EMR. And he was doing QI, and it's like, he basically said, look, if I can do it in my own little practice, you can learn how to do it. So call him, you know, and he'll tell you the pitfalls and how he worked through that issue of prioritizing and your designing processes. Because it definitely is a skill. It's not something that you automatically know or can intuit. You've got to learn it, do it, modify it. Um, but always ask for help because there's tons of people that are very happy to help you because they've made the mistakes and they want to save you their pain. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, uh, a lot of practices now are on this electronic record, electronic health record, electronic medical record. Um, does that make um, aggregating, looking at numbers, looking at quality numbers, looking at financial numbers, does that, make it more difficult or less difficult, or does it really depend um, on the system? Or It depends a lot on the system. I think having all the data available electronically is far easier than having paper charts. I've spent days doing hard paper chart audits of pneumococcal vaccination rates, thinking about how much money my time costs and how many patients I'm not seeing, um, and thinking, wow, this better be worth a lot. <laughs> Oh, there's yeah, definite, exactly. There's a definite cost of spending a physician spending a day going through charts. I realize I'm not doing this anymore. This is not efficient. So electronic medical records with disease registries, with the right business software, has the potential to make this much easier. But I put all those qualifiers because some EMRs are good at it. Some are terrible. Some businesses are good at it. Some are terrible. Um, we have the Centricity product. We've had it for 14 years. Um, it's been highly refined and modified. It's pretty good. Um, we still added a whole program of data mining on top of that to more efficiently mine our QI data to generate very simple, very specific reports that let you drill all the way down to the patient level. So that software we had to buy, but it takes the data from EMR and makes it usable and generates graphs with colors and something a physician could just look at in a minute and know what to do to make that physician feel less overwhelmed. That takes work and effort. Um, we're still not quite at the iPhone app stage, um, but I think that's where we need to be. It's still not easy enough. It's still not simple enough. It's still not automated enough. Um, so I'd rather have an EMR than not, but it's not a panacea. you got to have the right one. you got to have people who know how to make it work. Um, I guess on the line uh, is uh, Dr. Troy Fessinger uh, from Texas. And um, just in our conversation here, I mean, you've been um, involved with, uh, you know, some practice transformation, and, and you've, you've talked about Bruce Bagley, and I've met him before and, and heard him talk about practice transformation and the patient-centered medical home and, and something that you're very something you're very versed with. And, and, uh, and there's still kind of a lot of discussion in the family medicine community about uh, practice transformation and about the patient-centered medical home, and so w w when you're talking to physicians who you know aren't really 
familiar with it or aren't really buying kind of some of the concepts? What do you say to them about practice transformation and about patient-centered medical home to, to try to educate them and to try to uh, let them know that this is kind of a, you know this is kind of the, the model that that we should be looking to in primary care and family medicine. Um, yeah, certainly we hear a lot from members in Texas. Why should I do it? How much is it going to cost? What's the long-term benefit? Um, I think I would say a couple things. You know, healthcare obviously is changing, changing rapidly, and you there's a saying you know if you don't like change, you like irrelevance even less. So whether or not patient-centered medical home ends up being the answer that we hope it is, you've got to know that things are changing rapidly and think of how you're going to adapt to it. That's reality. Um, again, you can love it or hate it. You have to accept it. Um, for the patient-centered medical home, the pushback is often, well, I am a medical home. Well, yes, you are. Why should I have a label for it? Well, if you have a label for it, you get paid for it because insurance companies can quantify it and employers can understand it better. And that's become very real in our market. We were, we believe, the first residency in Texas to be a level three recognized PCMH, one of the, probably the first two or three in the country. We were the reason that several insurers basically set up PCMH-based bonus contracts for our health system. So we were the carrot. And they simply said, we want that residency practice in the group. And now TransferMed is actually helping our whole employee physician group become PCMHs, but it was the residency and our residency director and his foresight that got that started. So we're actually seeing real money. We're seeing actual bonuses being paid for this. Now, you can understand the time sequence. We had to do it first, get the payments later. Um, it did take some upfront investment. It took effort. Um, but I think if you do it well and do it right, it really forces you to examine how your practice really functions on a more detailed level than you probably ever have, whoever you are. And it'll be eye-opening when you really drill down. You're not as good as you think you are, not as efficient as you think you are, nor are you as effective as you think you are. Once you get through that sobering stage, you can then get better. And it's really stimulated us to break down hierarchies, break down some traditions, some silos, and really move us further on the road toward being a better practice. Uh, that's interesting. I think it's, yeah, it's interesting how you, how you kind of break that down and, and how you explain that. Um, kind of in our re- remaining uh, moments here, I did want to talk about what's specifically going on in Texas and and uh, in your last uh, few months uh, as the president of the of the organization. Uh, this is a huge time uh, at the state level as far as uh, for legislation and the legislation session and things. Can you talk a little bit about uh, kind of what's going on in Texas as far as what are kind of the, the big issues going on at, at your state level going on right now? Sure. Um, so as chapter president, spent a lot of time in Austin, um, and the big issue that gets a lot of press is Medicaid expansion. Um, I still don't know exactly what will happen with that. Um, it's extremely political with our governor's stance, which is well-known throughout the country, being no. Um, there's a lot of work behind the scenes. There were some things that came up today that suggest some possibilities, but only possibilities. What's actually been nice in a way about that is that's very politically charged, but the issues that we've been focusing on are workforce expansion. That's much less political. Um, there's widespread agreement from both the Republicans and the Democrats, they need more physicians. 
our state is growing. We've gained 9 million people since 1989. 1989 is when Medicare funding of residencies was capped. We are soon to train more medical students in Texas than we have residency positions. Um, and our medical school education in all the schools is state subsidized. So the legislators understand very clearly that they're paying to educate students and losing the practicing positions. So the result of that is a lot of enthusiasm and interest in expanding state genie funding, focusing on areas of need, focusing on primary care, number one. Number two, money targeted towards expanding residency slots, which is needed. Um, number three, money supporting innovation. Number four, we have a robust loan consumer program that was established four years ago. Funding was cut two years ago. We've got all funding back to the tune of $33 million. That's a big deal. Um, now, nothing is final until the governor signs the bill, so we got until May 27th for the session to end. So we're very cautiously optimistic that we're going to really gain back a lot of what we lost in a tough round two years ago. Um, wow. Last wow. thing I'll add. Yeah, what I was going to say is scope of practice has historically been a huge issue in our state, but the biggest breakthrough we made is we basically a year ago sat down with the advanced practitioners organizations, and we were all collectively told by the powers that be, y'all sit down and figure it out. So we sat down and we negotiated. You know, we wanted to maintain physician oversight. They wanted independent practice. We said, well, you know, that's not really going to happen. Um, long story short, we ended up with agreed-upon legislation modifying the board's regulations, simplifying the medical board's regulations, maintaining physician direction and oversight of the medical team. As a result, we were able to not spend the whole session arguing about scope of practice and devote that energy to actually expanding the primary care workforce, bringing back loan repayment. Um, so that negotiated agreement um, inspired by Virginia's experience last year, really helped us a lot. Um, and we were, many legislators said, thank you for fixing that issue because we're tired of dealing with it. We'll now help you with the things that you want help with. Wow. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I'm hearing a lot of this, similar things across the country. I mean, uh, here in Ohio, uh, the, the governor, uh, wants to proceed with Medicaid expansion and, and the uh, state house and the state Senate voted to take it out of the budget. So that's political, that's the political period going on here and, and there's a couple of practice issues going on in this state as well, like in all the other states. And um, it's, uh, it's interesting and I don't know if it's good or bad, but, but hearing similar stories from similar states and seeing how they're dealing with things and seeing the state level politics that happen, um, it's just it's so fascinating to kind of watch um and see you know what happens in different states uh what uh, the governor may want one thing the state house may want the other thing and 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 advocacy groups want maybe even something else and uh um, it sounds like it's what's happening in your state as well right what was eye opening is this is we thought okay we negotiate an agreement with the advanced practice nurses like was suddenly seeing all these bills from the pharmacists, from the chiropractors, the physical therapists. There's a lot of scope of practice issues, not just what we tend to focus on. Um, but we're able to say with each of these issues, hey, look what we did with the practitioners. We negotiated. We came up with an agreed-upon bill. Why don't you all do the same thing? 
it puts some pressure on these other entities to sit down at the table. Um, but also helped a lot of all the relationships we built. You know, one of my local state reps was approached by the pharmacist. I could go to them and say, hey, you know, I know what you want in your community. It's a poor inner city area. I get it. I want the same thing. I don't think that's the solution. And he actually modified the bill language based on an email that I sent him in part and in part, you know, other contacts. So having that relationship with people, understanding where they're coming from as a representative, I think is a big step over the approach we unfortunately often take, which is hell no. You know, we have to, I think, move beyond that, understand the other person's issues, even if we don't agree with them, and then figure out how can we develop an effective solution that works for us. Wow. <laughs> I mean, um, it can very simple. It's a lot harder than that. I know. Yeah, I know. You're living it. You're living it every day there at the state house. So my guest on the line uh, is uh, Dr. Troy Fessinger, uh, the president of the Texas Academy of Family Physicians. And uh, in, in our closing moments here, I'm going to give you a, a couple of minutes to get some closing thoughts. And the, the question I'm going to ask you is uh, uh, pretty simple. I mean, is, uh, we get this every day as far as, you know, uh, you know why should why should family docs uh, be – uh, involved in advocacy, and uh, that is uh, something that I hear every day. Now that's something that, that you hear every day. Uh, but as you're getting your thoughts, I did want to give your information out to, uh, and uh, uh, follow uh, Troy on Twitter. And uh, his uh, Twitter handle is Troy T X Family Talk. And uh, he's been uh, talking a lot about uh, uh, you know, state issues and and uh, what's going on at his level, and, and you know, also some other random tweets. And I'll, I'll let you check that out as well. And I did also want to give a big shout out to our friends at the Texas Academy of Family Physicians, TAFP dot org, and uh, they have a, a great website there. And uh, and then when you guys have your annual meeting uh, this summer, you guys always have some exciting stuff that's going on there. Uh, you do a, do a lot of great stuff. Uh, with social media as far as uh, blogs and Twitter and Facebook and sometimes live video streaming. And uh, uh, that's very cool stuff. I I should head down there to a meeting at one of these days and kind of see the whole thing in action. But uh, I've met some of your staff before, and and the the staff uh, at the Texas chapter is just just amazing. Yeah, we've got a very small but hardworking crew. Um, So to answer your question, you can either be at the table or on the menu. Um, So... I think if you are frustrated, if you don't like the way things are going, that's the reason you can evolve. If you like how things are going, get involved to keep it that way. And a simple example would be I've gotten three different state representatives out to visit our residency. My representative, the one that represents the area the clinic's in, and the one that represents the area near our hospital. And one of us tried to get them out there, but they get to see a residency, see what we do, and then when we discuss workforce, they've been there, and they can put a face to it. Um, and I got a very nice letter back from one of the reps saying it was wonderful to come to your clinic. I really love talking with that resident of yours who wants to go to the small town and needs a lower payment program. And that's gold. Because when that vote comes up, he can put a face to it, and he knows why he should vote for lower payment because he remembers that young resident who wants to go to a small town. Um, so to me, that summarizes why you should get involved in advocacy. You can really move things on a statewide level. With a lot of work and a lot of help. But if you don't do it, someone else is doing it. You got that right, man. You got that right. (laughs) Um, 
Thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, I, uh, it. It's been a lot of fun. Um, and uh, you know, best of luck at, at the meeting this week. And you're going to have a great time with networking and, and learning a lot of uh, uh, great information. Uh, uh, Tori Fester, so thank you so much for the time, sir. Thank you. I'll keep on listening to Radio Free Family Medicine. Radio, oh, yeah. Oh, man. That was my title, remember? You that was your title. Man, yeah, that is it. Yeah, Radio Free Family Medicine. I love it. I love it. Uh, have a great week, and, and uh, it's going to be great. So thank you so much again. All right. Thank you. Uh, all right, and we will be right back on the show here. So be right back. Welcome back live on the Family Medicine Rocks podcast. It is 10.52 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, 9.52 Central Time. And uh, monitoring the Twitter, the Twitter. And it looks like the opening session has completed with uh, Dr. Galloway talking about health disparities. And uh, you can uh, monitor the meeting uh, this week at hashtag AAFP. Uh, NCSC and also AAFP uh, ALF and uh, <laughs> a funny tweet from my good friend uh, Dr. Michael Munger and uh, he is uh, his uh, Twitter is uh, at M squared 279 M squared it's M squared spelled out M squared 279 and he has 68 followers uh <laughs> So I encourage my friends to give him a follow. Here is his tweet, quote, what happens in Kansas City goes on Facebook. That is from the elected leader slash CEO forum at the annual leadership forum. So uh, even the ALF people, the ALF people are tweeting out uh, some good stuff uh, this morning. So, uh, you had a lot of action on uh, on Twitter and uh, Facebook uh, today, uh, and uh, I encourage you to f uh, like the uh, Facebook page for the NCSC and uh, ALF meetings as well. And if you were there, you know, feel free to tweet out and post some pictures, Instagram or, or Twitter or Facebook. Uh, this is going to be another great year of uh, social media, uh, where family docs really are. Uh, uh, embracing social media, putting their stamp on social media, and, and really uh, uh, saying, "Hey, you know, <laughs> we uh, we believe in this uh, in this communication, uh, this this uh, communication venue, this communication platform." As far as social media, it's been uh, it's been really uh, really gaining steam um, in the uh, in the past uh, few years, and I'm very happy with it. I'm very happy to be a part of that um, as well. So. Um, that's all I have for you here uh, today, and uh, I want to thank everybody who listened live. I, I want to thank all the multitaskers who I know are in a in a meeting session and also listening um, and also calling in to listen uh, to the show. A lot of live listens here uh, today, so thank you so much uh, for that. And and if you you know if you didn't listen live, that's fine. You can also download it, um, subscribe to us on iTunes. 
and uh, I always forget to say that, but uh, uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. Go check out FamilyMedicineRocks.com. Follow me on Twitter. You can get all of my information at uh, FamilyMedicineRocks.com. And also here on Blog Talk Radio, the Blog Talk Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com slash famedrocks. So I will uh, now, you know, I mean, I'll be taking more of a back seat uh, now on on social media. Um, as far as this meeting goes, I'm going to be more watching than posting. Um, I hate those. Uh, a lot of those people like me who are not at the meeting but post a lot of stuff or retweet or whatever. Uh, maybe I'll do a lot more uh, listening and viewing and observing rather than uh, tweeting out. So uh, we'll we'll see if that happens. Maybe that'll happen for five minutes and I'll start tweeting again. Uh, who, who, <laughs> you know how that goes. Uh, I want to thank uh, Dr. Jerry Tolbert uh, for calling in live uh, from uh, Kansas City. Uh, he is uh, part of the uh, leadership team, part of the planning committee uh, for the meeting. Uh, follow him on Twitter at drtolbert. Uh, dot com and uh, my thanks to uh, Madam Convener herself, Dr. Kim Yu, uh, the conference chair of the National Conference of Special Constituencies, um, and also thanks to uh, Dr. Troy Fessinger, the uh, president of the Texas Academy of Family Physicians. Uh, great conversation, especially about um, the numbers, the data of healthcare as far as. Uh, uh, as far as finances and as far as data, quality data, all that type of stuff. Uh, so, so one week from today, well, not maybe one week from today, but next week, uh, I will be uh, uh, talking about. I'm not sure if we're going to have a show. Maybe, maybe yes or maybe no. But I'll, I'll be talking about the next meeting I'm going to be at in person, which will be the Society of Teachers of Family Medicine meeting. I'll be presenting there with the aforementioned uh, Dr. Jerry Tolbert, and uh, maybe I can get him back on the show. <laughs> to talk about that uh, as well. So uh, shout out to Kansas City. Shout out to our good friends out there, uh, my friends and colleagues, uh, uh, part of the family medicine revolution out there, changing the world, uh, getting some people upset, having a lot of great ideas um, out there. And uh, uh, stay tuned for me at familymedicinerocks.com. Also follow the meetings, hashtag AAFP, NCSC, and uh, hashtag AAFP Alpha. And of course, the Family Medicine Revolution, hashtag FM Revolution. My name is Mike Savilla. And a great show today. Thanks, uh, everybody, for listening. Uh, and uh, thanks for Jerry to, for playing along. <laughs> we will talk to you all very soon. Have a good week. Have a good weekend. Uh, and uh, have a good day, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>